blood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I see the enemy coming in like a flood in our houses, in our churches, in our families. But what I don't see is the standard. People of God, where's the standard at? We're in a war, y'all. It's time to stand, y'all. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of them that published it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Welcome to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast that reaches around the world daily with the good news about Jesus Christ our Lord. I am your host, Bishop Fred A. Carwell Sr. Now lend me your ear, and let's go inside of Know Your Bible and hear God's life-changing word. Welcome to Know Your Bible. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected or brought to spiritual maturation or maturity in us. The power of God's love is what I want to talk about. The power of God's love. We've heard the temptation sing about it. We've heard Smokey Robinson sing about it. We've heard Diana Ross sing about it. We've heard Aretha Franklin sing about it. And for the most part, a lot of us have gotten it all twisted. Because God's love is the greatest love of all. The Greek word for love and the highest love is agapeo. That is God's love. And when we talk about love... Is not just a word. Just like when we talk about grace. It's not just a word. Love is a person. God is love. Grace is a person. The law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So when we say we're saved by grace. We're saying we're saved by Jesus Christ. So these are not just words that are loosely given. And oftentimes when we talk about love in our stagnated sinful generation, we're talking about what can I get from you because I just told you I love you. 
That ain't love, that's manipulation, that's lust. That is a desire to obtain. But when we talk about the power of God's love, we're talking about a love that is so powerful until it has the ability within itself to transform the vilest person on the planet into an oasis of love. God is love. The power of God's love changes lives and transforms us so that God can conform us into the image of God's son. God's love is the highest love of all because God is himself loved. In the scripture text, as we talk about the power of God's love, before I read it, I just need to tell you, if you have hatred and bitterness in your heart today, then you are dwindling. You are shrinking. And that's not God's desire for your life. Love thinketh no evil. Love does not take account of the evil done to it. Love is love. And so therefore God himself is love. And the highest form of love are the two highest forms of love that can be given toward anybody at any given time. The two highest forms of love is love itself. It is forgiveness because you love someone, you will forgive them. And it is prayer. If you really love people like we say we do, we will pray for them and not be critical or judgmental of them. Because God is the ultimate judge. And he told us don't judge one another, love one another. Beloved, the scripture says, let us love one another. In other words, let us freely love one another without stipulation or without contract. Beloved is the body of Christ. Let us love one another for love is of God. Now you remember there abided these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Though I give my body to be burned, and if I don't have love, it's not going to profit me anything. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and don't have love, it profits me nothing. I believe the body of Christ has allowed the world to cause us to start hating one another. We got to get rid of that today. Some things we cannot wait to get rid of. Beloved, let us. It's not, it shouldn't be forced. It should be an act of the will. Even as our soul prosper. It should be an act of your will and my will. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. Got that? Born of God. Now, I, I went that way now about it, these three, faith, hope, and love, because God is using the apostle John right here, who is called the apostle of love. Paul is the apostle of faith. Peter is the apostle of hope. 
John is the apostle of love. So God can use some of us and want to use all of us to show each other an unconditional love. That's not harsh, that's not critical, it's not judgmental. Got love, got God. So let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested or brought out into the open so that we can see it. That's the word manifest, to bring out into the open. For this was manifested, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Here we go. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So when God got ready to manifest his love, we need to understand that God's love requires sacrifice. Now I'm scared of you if you ain't willing to put up. If you're not willing to put up with me, you don't love me. Huh? If you're not willing to walk with me, even in my shortcomings, you don't love me. If you're not willing to forgive me, even when I'm wrong, you don't love me. If you rub stuff in my face because I am wrong and you won't let it go, you don't love me. Love is of God and God is love. Got love? Got love? Love requires a sacrifice. And we're living in a day now, baby, where people ain't willing to put up with nothing, not even you. But God, that is not his will or intent for our lives. Now watch this. In this was manifested or made known or brought out into the open the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now, there's no way we're going to live through Jesus and don't show no love. The power of God's love should be seen in our living. And we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're not talking about the people that just live next door or adjacent to us. Everybody needs love. Everybody's our neighbor. So we should live in love in this world through Jesus Christ. That was, that was a time back in the day, man, when, when people were really neighbors and loved one another. If, if you didn't have an egg, you, you, it wasn't no problem getting one from your neighbor. We live in the day now, you go over there and you get shot in the driveway. Because people don't know their neighbors. Verse 10, herein is love. In other words, John says, look at it like this. This is love. Herein is love. This is how you know it. Herein is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin or the appeasement or the mercy seat. See, if God wasn't merciful toward us, now watch this. He made us and then he gonna hate us. No, it doesn't work that way. He made us and he loved us in spite of us. Now you gotta think about this agape love because it goes beyond our faults. 
We're good at fault finding. We're good at fault finding. I'm going to bring up a terrible illustration, but it just, the Lord just put it in my mind. If you've ever been to a zoo, you can see monkeys going behind monkeys smelling one another's tail. Or if you see a dog, if you got some in your neighborhood, they're always sniffing on one another. And so it is with human people, always trying to find out what you got going on, what's wrong with you, how can I criticize you today? We're always sniffing around. So Jesus, his blood became the mercy seat where God saved us and redeemed us because a sacrifice was paid and made for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so love prompted God on our behalf before we ever knew him to make the sacrifice to make sure that there was a door open to get us back in fellowship with him before we ever knew him. When we was out hunking-tunking and partying and getting down, brother, and shaking our body down to the ground, the sacrifice had already been made over 2,000 years ago. Not only did God love us, Jesus loves us. And not only does Jesus love us, the Holy Ghost loves us. So we are loved by God. In verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, We ought to, without being begged to. Nobody ought to have to call our attention to loving one another. We ought to. If God so loved us, see, and again, forgiveness is just like this. I forgive because I've been forgiven. Come on, talk to me up in here. So you don't have to get on your knees and crawl to me and beg for forgiveness because when I went to God, I didn't get on. I may have been on my knees. Sometimes I'm not. But I don't have to beg God. We don't have to beg God for nothing. Because he loves us, it's a given. Now if you got somebody in your life and you, you, you asking yourself a question, do they really love me? I wonder how did that atmosphere get generated in that relationship? When you have to ask somebody, do you love me? It's something wrong. It's something wrong right there. Because love is an action born out of a sense of responsibility toward God first and then toward your fellow man. So it's impossible to genuinely love God and not love you. And that's why some, some folk have tried to get so deep. I love God, yeah, but do you love me? So God has given us love as cement just like a, a bricklayer must have mortar in order for the bricks to stick. So in order for us to stick together and love one another and pray together, we're going to have to love one another. And love is thicker than mud. So it's God's love, we ought to give it away because he gave it to us. Can I get a witness? Verse 11, beloved, body of Christ, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells or God lives in us. His presence is there. And his love is perfected in us. Okay, here we go. If his love is perfected in us, now you didn't say me, it said us. That means 
that, that God's love, in order for it to be perfected, I'm going to have to give it away even when I don't like you and you're getting on my nerves. I'm going to have to walk in a higher order. I'm going to have to love you in spite of you. I'm going to have to love you even though you've done me wrong. Something inside so strong that says that I can make it though you're doing me wrong. See, because God's love does not keep account of the evil done to it. And it's amazing to me how some of us hold on to stuff for years. That's not God. That's pressure. That's stress. That's mess. If it's love, it's going to forgive and move on. Now, got love? Love can only be known from the actions it prompt. It can only be known from the actions it prompt. You treat me cold and indifferent, you don't love me. Either you heard something, somebody said something, you believed something, so now you're treating me cold and indifferent because you've been in bad company. And even if it were true, you still got to love me. Because God knows some stuff on you and guess what? He still loves you. If it's God's love, it does not discriminate. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Love got to come back to the church. Because by this shall all men, Jesus say, know that you are my disciples because you have love one to another. So if we're going to say we love God, make sure we love one another. Now, God doesn't get on our nerves, but, but love is going to be perfected in us because the people close to you are going to get on your nerves. They're going to get on your nerves. Huh? And people talk about, well, I, you know, I want to get married. Let me tell you something. Fine, go and do it. I think you should because God set it up. But marriage ain't all it's prompt up to be. Huh? It ain't, you ask some of these married people in there that's looking straight at me and ain't, ain't, ain't looking to the left or looking to the right. Man, it's, it's work. It's work. Meatloaf too salty. All that. Man, you living in a tight space with somebody and they getting on your nerve and they passing gas and they ain't speaking. Got love? Got love? Love can only be known from the actions it prompts. And now let me just put it like this. If you genuinely love like you should love, then whatever happens doesn't matter. Come on, I'm, 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 I'm talking about a higher love. Doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, got love? Oh, this is blessing us right now. Tell your neighbor, love can only be known by the action it prompts. See, if you step on my shoes and I slap you, it was in my heart anyway. But if you step on my shoes and I love you anyway, I love you irregardless or irrespective 
or what you do to me and your actions toward me don't change me toward you. Not if I love you. Not if I love you with the God kind of love that is in my heart. No matter what you do to me, I'm going to still love you. And I'm going to move past whatever you did to me because your actions didn't change me. Your actions did not change me. And you see, when you got love, it doesn't matter. What's said about you, what's done to you, does not matter. Now notice this. God's love had his perfect expression among men in the Lord Jesus Christ. Had his perfect expression of love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, when people do wrong and you know they've done wrong and you know they're wrong, love will allow you to say it to them. We live in a day right now, people don't want to confront what is wrong. And so therefore, when one does confront what's wrong, you become the enemy. No, love speaks the truth in love. Love don't let people just go on and on and on. Love is going to interrupt whatever that course is so that that wrong action can be put on the right course. You don't tell me you love your kids and you don't correct them. No, you hate them if you don't correct them. <laughs> See, buddy, that's my boy. Just tore up the TV. See him. Look at him. Ain't he precious? No, you whip him because you love him and his actions are wrong, so you correct him. You call that the chastening of the Lord. And as many as I love, God said, I'm going to correct. I correct all my children. And if I don't correct you, you're a bastard. Now, if there be any parents here, you don't correct your children. And everybody else got to put up with them. You don't love those kids. You just had them. And now they're in the world to do whatever they want to do. I don't understand this new generation. They don't correct their kids. They don't, they don't whip them. They don't, they, don't, they don't see if they got their homework. They don't do nothing. They just got them in the world, and they're on everybody's nerves, and ain't nobody doing anything with them. And when you try to do something with them, now you got to fight the parent. And the teachers in the school system will tell you that. Little Johnny about as dumb as a goat on the backside of a hill grazing over yonder on the way over the cliff. And when you try to say, hey, little Johnny, don't go that way. Don't talk to my child like that. Well, heck, let him go on over the hill. You can't raise these children by yourself. It takes a whole village to raise a child. The church is here to assist you with your kids, not to raise them. And we love you enough to do that. And, and y'all, some of y'all need to quit getting mad at the preacher. Because love is spoken here. Now you just need to quit it. Because by now you ought to know I ain't going to quit. Come too far. From where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. But I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. If you sit here and you are taught, make sure you're hearing it correctly. 
Because you can be sometimes as sweet as you want to be and people will hear you, you didn't even say that. Because what's in people's heart, only God knows. But our job is to love people. Make sure you're on your job. Got love? So God's love had his perfect expression among men in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's walk that path right quick. We're talking about the power of God's love was manifested in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Go to John 3.16. I know you can quote it because God wrote it, but I want you to look at it. John 3 and 16. And a verse that's never oftentimes brought in line with John 3.16 is John 3 and 17. So look at John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus Christ is speaking, talking to Nicodemus about being born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, watch this now, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. So we are not to be condemning people. Neither are we to be condoning sin. We are to stand for the truth. So real love is accompanied by sacrifice. I remember that song, Shirley Caesar. The cost of my love is no charge. And in the song, in the lyrics, it talks about this child not wanting, I think, to carry out the trash. And the lyrics of the song said, look, I have done for you. I have fed you. I have clothed you. The cost of my love is no charge. And see, when you love someone and you do for someone, you don't rub it in their face. Could I get some help in here? I, you know, you with me? You do and you don't bring it up. You do because you love. But see, we live in a time right now, some people want their children to pay them back. I put you through school. You're supposed to. I bought you clothes. You're supposed to. But now God going to take care of parents if their children listen. Because the word says, watch this, honor your father and your mother. To honor means not only to say, hey, mom, I love you, but to send them some duckies, some, some, some dead presidents, to, to, to put on display in the public arena what you've been taught at home. Come on now. You don't go to Dallas. You don't, you don't go, to, go to California. Now you run in the streets half naked. You wasn't taught that way. So we talk about honoring our parents, amen, that brought us upright. Then that should be our guide when we go into the world. You call it home training. Now look, I'm old school, and ain't nothing wrong with old school. Ain't nothing wrong with old school. All right, praise Jesus. So then, we're not condemned. So, God's perfect expression of his love among men was seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, and commencing at verse 1. 
We're not to condemn people. We're not to condone sin. But at some point, somebody in our lives ought to be able to say, look, this is wrong. But we're living in a time now where people just go along to get along and nobody says anything. It's almost like, okay, if a child has both parents at home, oftentimes the one that's the disciplinarian is the bad guy. So who do the kids go to? The easy one. You don't have to make up that bed. You can do it when you get back. Nah, didn't, didn't mama say make it up? Now nah, run to dad. Dad, I'm running late. Okay, you don't have to make up the bed. See, that's wrong. The dad and the mama ought to be one voice. One voice. You get your tail back in there and you make that bed up. Well, I'm late. It's your fault. Make that bed up. We need to quit jumping on Christians that tell us the truth and siding with those that don't say, don't, don't say anything. Every one of us should have something to say. All right. God's love was manifested and seen among men in its perfection when Jesus walked the earth. Now we are that Jesus is on earth and his love should be perfected in us. So if I can't get along with you, I shouldn't be trying to kill you or get rid of you. I need to figure out how to get along with you because you're just one person representative of a whole lot of other folk I'm going to meet in my life. So if I throw you away, how many other folk am I going to throw away? And if I don't want to deal with you, how many more folk am I not going to want to deal with? And that's the problem right now in our generation right now. People have never been made to put up with anything. And so because they have not been made to put up with anything, now these women got husbands that won't correct them. They've been out of control since they were teenagers. And now they're running over their husband. He better not say nothing. She wants him to because she realized she's out of control. But listen, let me tell you something. Power ain't never given back. Huh? Now, once power is seized in a relationship, whoever got the power gonna hold on to it. Power is never abdicated. See, but love will cause one to submit and trust God for the outcome. Controlling your husband ain't gonna make him a better man. Controlling your wife ain't going to make a better woman. In love, relationship is to let people be who they are so that they can grow together and become heirs of the grace of life. It's not a man got a little girl or a little girl got a sugar daddy. It, it, is, it is growing together, understanding life together, praying together, praying for one another, supporting one another, wanting the best for one another. Ain't that right, Brother Fred? That's right, Brother Preach. <laughs> All right, want to be like Jesus? Here we go. John 8 and 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, 
They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. All right. Come on. Come get this. And hit somebody square in the head with it. Come on. Huh? If you don't have no, if you have not sinned, if you haven't done anything wrong, come get this and stone somebody with it. If you have not had no evil thoughts, if you're not all stuck on yourself, come get this. Come and get it. But the only requirement for throwing this is that you are without sin. See, the reason that we can't be real with other people is because a lot of times we ain't real with us. We sit up and look across the room and complain about somebody that we may heard about. But what about your stuff? Huh? Because you ain't been caught, don't make you right. And we have the audacity to walk around and point a finger at somebody because they corrected us. God said, if I don't correct you, you're a bastard. So come on, let's keep it real. Why would your children get all upset with you when you told them what was right? Because they didn't want to hear it. And they got some friends to support their viewpoint. All right. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. He was the only one that could have condemned that woman. Now notice that he didn't condone it. But he didn't condemn her either. Watch this. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Why did the oldest guy leave first? Because he knew the mess was coming. He, he, uh, he had seen that before, and he knew, I need to, I need to leave right now. Beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. We've seen it here in this church. Women have come time and time again. I'm pregnant. I want the church to forgive me. And some have not come. Because they don't feel like they need to come. We are one body. So Jesus didn't condemn it and he didn't condone it. He said go and sin no more. 
But you know, there are people now that want you to, you know, hit in the head with a brick. Where's the man? Jesus didn't ask where the man was. He knew where the man was. But you know what? He did not want to expose this woman. He did not want to condemn this woman. He did not want to condone this woman. But he did want this woman to be forgiven. He said, I forgive you, not a problem. Go and sin no more. He said the same thing to you. He said the same thing to me. And baby, Jesus knows everything. All right, praise Jesus. Now, God chose us. That's what his love did. And our actions can never annul his choice of us. He chose us and he elected us. Now, that's where I want to spend the remainder of my time right there. Chosen and elected. See, because some of us have had it basically pretty good in life, and we think, oh, it's because I'm a nice. It ain't because you nice nothing. It's because God made choice of you, and your actions cannot nullify his choice. And that's why we need to understand, okay, so you think you don't like me because you heard something about me and you struggling to love me? No, 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 no. You cannot love me on your own. I can't love you on my own. God has given me what I need to love you. And it's called him. Got love? Got love? It's nothing I can do to change God's love for me. It's nothing I can do to make God's choice of me wrong. Neither does it give me, give me a license to be as looser as a gooser. But I understand that it was he who chose me. Now, you don't have to like me. That's fine. But you can't change the choice that God made. Now let's dig a little bit deep in the well. You ready to go? All right, let's go. All right. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans 5 and 8. Well, you know, Bishop used to do this. Now get off my case. What did you used to do? Huh? What, what did you used to do? Or what do you still do? What's your thing? Romans 5 and 8. Are you there? Hello? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So, 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 God chose us before we chose him. And he knew that we would choose him. And he knew that before we were ever born. God looked down the line and chose you, watch this, before you were ever born. 
then as we go forth with God, we understand our purpose in life. Without him, purposes will never be fulfilled. That's why those of us that stand and teach and those of you that walk in Christian love, you will be condemned, not just by the world, but by people that go to the same church. Because everybody don't quite understand. We can't undo what God has already done. So we must be receptive of others and acceptance of others, realizing that we ourselves are not perfect and never will be. So if you look at Romans 5 and 8, but God commended, that word commend means to put his love on display. You ever gone down to the mall and you see a mannequin in the window and it's all dressed up and you say, girl, I like that dress. And, and you know what? Because of what you see brought you inside. Huh? Because of what you see outside brought you inside. And that's how we get people to the Lord. Because of what they see outside ought to bring them inside. Because of the way we treat other people ought to bring them to Christ. The way we love and pray for other people, it ought to bring them to Christ. But it's going to be hard for somebody to see Jesus. I got your money and I ain't paying you back and I'm lying and I'm gossiping and I'm doing all this stuff. What they see on the outside will keep them out there. So our lives ought to be a light. And if our love is God's love is going to be perfected in us, we got to love one another. So look at loving this unlovable person as a challenge and not something to run away from. I got to figure out how to love the hell out of you, even though you're doing me wrong. I got I to figure that out. I, I got to take that to God in prayer. I got to move in that direction. So the power of God's love will transform my heart and mind and conform me in hard times to be what God called me to be. You still with me? Okay, now notice this. Again, Romans 5 and 8. Let's read it. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were what? Christ did what? While we were what? Christ did what? So therefore, God made choice of us. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Am I right about it? All right. Now notice this. In John 15, 16. John 15 and 16. The Lord want us to see here today that we didn't choose him. So it's nothing really that we need to be all looking down on other folk because we got a good life. Now your heart ought to go out to people that don't. See, our paradigm needs to change. All right, John 15, 16, do you have it? Jesus is speaking. You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. In other words, Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Got to get this in. Hurry, hurry. Deuteronomy chapter 7. You're basically finding Old Testament. Ah. Uh, See, God chose us and our actions. If I, if, well, I don't want to get there. But, but our actions cannot annul his choice. Period. 
I can snap you in the face, end up in prison, and God's still going to work it out. So wherever you find yourself today, I got a word from the Lord for you. He's going to work it out. If you let him. Deuteronomy chapter 7, are you there? All right. Key in, if you will, verses 6 through 9, and I'm reading. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, had the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God said, I chose you. Go to Jeremiah 1. God said, I chose you. And I ordained you. So that your fruit would remain. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And Moses was telling the children of Israel, God didn't choose you because you were great in number. God chose to put his love on you. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this. God's love is still so strong until the nation of Israel is still Israel. You know why? Because he's married to Israel. You ain't heard nobody in the media here lately talk about no Philistine. Huh? No, hit, no Hivite or Hittite. But Israel is still Israel. Let me tell you something. Before you ever got here, God chose you. I'm trying to, trying to get somebody here to just settle down and let God drive. Because ain't no power on this earth can stop you. If God be for us, who then can be against us? Uh, maybe I'm teaching better than you listening, but I want to say hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So people don't like you, what? That's not going to change your destiny. None can compare. Don't even dare. Watch this. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Behold, I form thee. Well, so that we can get it right. Look at verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Here go Jesus one more time. And I ordained thee. A prophet unto the nation. God said, listen, before you were put in your mama's belly, before your daddy got your mama pregnant, I knew you. God even said about Abraham, I know Abraham what? That he will command his children. And you don't sit here, say I'm a Christian parent, and your kid's out of control. And you're not paying your bills, and you're not taking care of yourself, and you're not doing what you need to do. Come on now, not, not trying to condemn you, but understand, when you say I'm following Christ, let's see it. 
It can only be seen by how we treat one another. You're not, a, you're not alone. No man is an island. None goes his way alone. What we send into the lives of others, it comes back into our own. So when people are hateful against you, love them anyway with the love that God gave you. Because you, you've been chosen for greatness. And your love for God will set you apart, separate and above. And don't you let no man pull you down so low as to make you hate him. And don't look down on a man unless you're willing to, to stoop down and pick him up. And quit allowing people to come to you speaking against the word of God, telling you, well, I wouldn't, love, I wouldn't speak to Listen, let me tell you something. That's anti-Christ. You got to love so that God can live through us. We have to do that. So, so God said, listen, before you were formed in the belly, man, I knew you. Now watch this. This is you getting ready to go uh, a little bit deeper. Romans the ninth chapter. See, when I was out there honky tonking and partying and getting down to selling drugs, I was a preacher. Yeah, hello. I was a bishop in the Lord's house. Didn't even know it. Come on, talk to me. Because God is the only one that can really tell you who you really are. Am I right about it? And see, once you understand that God's, uh, our actions cannot nullify his choice, then I'm free to be and to grow up even though I'm going to make some mistakes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But if I grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus, I admit I made a mistake. Just like I told you all the other week, I was on my way to church, minding my own nappy neck business. It was a guy going so slow right there on Bird Coon, right before you get to Greenwood Road. He was just going slow. Well, I was already late uh, for church. I'm getting better now because I was here this morning at 717, baby. So I'm getting better. You know, it's been a long time coming, but change has come, baby. So the guy was going too slow. I went around him. Man, he started blowing and laying on that horn. Well, see, didn't bother me because I got a gun in the glove box. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm just going to pray for the pastor because, you know, you got a gun too. I just got the mic. I'm telling you about mine. But he came alongside, when I, when I got to the stop sign, there was another car in front of me, so I had to stop. So now he, he whoops around to my right side. He wants me to roll my window down and get involved in his foolishness. Road rage. Because he was going to die at the stop sign. <laughs> then I had a prison ministry. <laughs> See, I mean, you know, God's going to work it out, baby. He's going to work it out. So I tell you what I did. What came to my mind is this. I want you to get this. This man that's acting a fool right over here next to me is not a perfect driver. Now, how you say you say that, Pastor? Because the front of his, end of his truck was already torn up. 
So evidently he was following too close to somebody. And so I realized this man that's coming down on my case, just like I'm not perfect, he ain't perfect. And a little child shall leave them. You understand that? And it wasn't too many days after that, guess what happened? Somebody say what? Somebody cut in front of me. I didn't blow my horn, but I, I smiled because I realized what I had done to this man. Come on, talk to me. What I had done to him came back to me. So I had to accept it. You know why? Because I did it to him. So y'all quit acting like you're the only one been sinned against you. You're the only one whose feelings been hurt. No, you done hurt a lot of folk. Matter of fact, the bones in the backyard. <laughs> so when it comes back to you, quit moaning and groaning about it. Just accept it. King David had Uriah killed and took Bathsheba. Am I right about it? David never did one time ever complain because he knew that he brought that upon himself. So if things are brought upon you because of your action, suck it up. And see, a lot of stuff is private. Don't nobody know it. So when it happens to you, really suck it up. Be quiet. Because a lot of times when people don't love you, they'll get your information and they will hurt you with it. But God is love. Got love? Let me show you something. This is deep right here. This is deep. So God chose us just like he told Jeremiah. Listen, I knew you before you were formed in the belly, man. I knew you. And I ordained you. And I called you to be a prophet to the nation. Before you were ever conceived. Watch this. And daddy's sperm didn't have anything to do with it. It was just a conduit whereby God was able to get him into the womb, to get him into the earth realm. Listen, there are some of us whose parents are not stellar parents. They are not, they are not showcase parents. Some, some of us are shame of the way that some of our parents are. Well, don't be. They're only human. So our job is not to find fault. Our job is to love. Because you know your mama love you. That's why you're here. If she didn't, she would have aborted you. So love is seen by the actions that it prompt. And here you are now, this up in age, and don't have anything to do with your mother. You should be ashamed of yourself. Don't have anything to do with your daddy. You should be ashamed of yourself. So quit trying to make them perfect, and you're not perfect. See, love releases you to grow. Hatred causes you to stunt your growth. It smothers your spirit. You can't breathe. Walking around acting funny with people, if you are really born again, it puts your spirit in a strain. It puts your spirit in a bind. Now, here you are. You got to act funny with this person you're working with. You got to act funny with someone. See, acting funny is not a part of our makeup. It's not, it's not, in, our, it's not in our Christian DNA. Our Christian DNA has God's fingerprints all over it, and it's called love. Don't let nobody make you think that you're a fool because you love people. 
Well, you know they did this. Well, yeah, but you know, I cut in front of that man. Not too many days after that, somebody cut in front of me. God has a way of reminding us where we came from. Huh? God has a way. And nobody knows that except you. When you see it or when you hear it, you know God is talking. This blew my mind. I got this in two more things. But in Romans chapter 9, watch this. Now remember what, what, what just happened with Jeremiah. Remember this now. In Romans chapter 9, are you there? Look at verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. So Sarah had twins in her womb. Jacob, no, Sarah had Isaac. Out of Rebekah came Jacob and Esau. But now watch this. So that you know you're chosen by God. Man, listen, you can walk through fire and won't get burned. Watch this. Okay, verse, verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. His name will be Isaac, the promised seed. And not only this, but when Rebekah, who would marry Isaac, also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children... Being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. You can have low-down parents. What they got to do with you? God had to have some instrument to get you here. And now here you are trying to condemn your parents. No, they're not up to what you may think they ought to be, but at least they have sense enough to conceive you and get you here. These children, before they were ever born, before they ever did any good or evil, God made choice, watch this now, of Isaac, then of Jacob. And somebody say, you see, and the word says that God hated Esau. And somebody say, God hated Esau? I don't understand why God hated Esau. No. Read that same verse of scripture. But Jacob, he loved. So wait a minute. Shouldn't the question ought to be, why did God love Jacob? Not why did he hate Esau. Why did he love Jacob? Jacob was a trickster. Jacob wasn't no good like somebody else you might know. Before the children were ever born. Before they were ever born. Before they ever did good or evil. God chose. Quit trying to go through this world finding out who you are. Know who you are. Beloved, now are we. 
the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. It's 1 John 3. Notice this. God, I want to go personal with you right quick. God chose me before Dawkins, that's my daddy, ever cohabitated with Ollie Faye to get me into the earth realm for such a time as this. I had to have a past. But my past does not hold my future hostage. Now you got to get really get ready for this one. If not, you're going to need five ushers to open the door for you so you won't hurt yourself running through it. When you realize that God's hand is upon your life, then man becomes insignificant. So they don't want to hear me teach no more. Fine. <laughs> Not a problem. It ain't going to stop me from teaching. They don't want to come here no more. Fine. They're just missing out on a good church. Ain't going to stop Greenwood Acres. <laughs> Nothing that any man can do can stop what God started. They punishing themselves. It's another thing we need to quit. Quit sitting in here trying to figure out who the message is for. It's for you. See, people keep doing this old fool. Hey, you know, hey, talking about me, huh? Talking about me. Hey. You ain't that important to determine what God wants to say to his people. But the hit dog always holler. Now, let me show you something. Now, I, I want you to love me. I want you to pray for me. And I want you to understand something. I strive to be real with what I do. I'm not afraid to say what I need to say, even if you hear. Even if this place is filled with white folk. And that's another thing you need to remember. I'm giving you what God has given me, so I know who I am. Now, if I say something and it rub you wrong, be considered rub wrong, but don't think that I'm picking on you because you ain't the only person here. These messages go around the world, and people call from all places, especially down south, New Orleans, wanting to get these messages. So our thinking needs to, we just need to, thank you, grow up. And growth is sometimes painful for a lot of people because then that means you have to be responsible. If you grow up, you have to be responsible. Everything that comes with being grown. You got to take the bills with it. One last thing. This helping anybody? <laughs> See, the power of God's love has transformed me. Power of God's love is conforming me. He's shaping me. He's molding me.
He's taking good care of me. He's ministering to my spirit, my soul, and my body. He is responsible for me. It is he who has saved me and not me. If I make an error in judgment, error in scripture, that's me and God. I will correct it. But I don't need you to try to show me. Not that I can't receive it. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I just come back and correct it. Just like the guy going to try to front me and the whole front end of his truck tore up. No, we need to quit condemning people. We need to, we need to start loving people. We need, to start, we need to get out of people's lives and let them grow up. One last thing. Now, this, this really put me into a whole other arena. Not just when I studied this, but I've been knowing this for quite some time. And this is what has engendered within me Holy Ghost boldness to be all that I can be. That's why I don't keep teaching uh, one thing all the time. I have to grow if you're going to grow. So that means we got to go into other areas of scripture and for God's voice to be heard. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. So I love you. You all be able to tell that. I don't feed you no Vienna sausage. Every time you come here, baby, it's steak with some shrimp on it. I don't like that. Well, get some juice, baby. Galatians chapter 1. Last scripture. Thank you all so much. But because you stand up and be bold and know who you are, it doesn't make you arrogant. Because I found out something. Philippians 1 and 6 is still right. Being confident. Not arrogant. Confident. Sure. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you. Shall perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. You may throw me down, but God ain't through with me. God is not through with me. God is not through with you. He's still shaping. He's still molding. He say, Fred, now you know you did that wrong. You, 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 come on now. You know I say, okay, Lord. So he began to shape that part of my character. Some of us have a pickly character. A prickly, what a man, prickly. Porcupine, thank you, Bertha Elizabeth Bishop. Some of us just, we show up and we rub people wrong. Huh? When we show up, we rubbing everybody wrong. God wants to shape that part of our character where we can be loving, giving, and forgiving. All right. Bless Jesus. Galatians chapter 1, are you there? Hey, look at verse 15. Trying to get somebody to understand, baby. You, God chose you. So be on your, like mama used to say, now, y'all going over there, be on your what? Be on your best behavior. Don't eat everything they put in front of you. Leave something. <laughs> don't go there and act like I don't feed you. <laughs> Woo! I'm happy! Anybody else in there happy? 
is mind-boggling. Galatians 1.15. Paul is speaking, writing. But when it pleased God, who separated, I want you to put your name right there. Who separated? When it pleased God, who separated? Me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace <laughs> to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I ain't going to ask nobody that God called me. I already knew it. And my most immediate thing that I did when I got born again, baby, was hit the intersection of Pier Avenue and Milan by the Harlem House. Place I used to sell drugs, I was now giving joy away. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. I ain't checked with the 13th district. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Let me see if I can put this into practical application with you. Wasn't raised in the local church. I just wasn't. And the gospel that God gave me to preach I didn't go to the district to see what they were preaching. And so immediately, I stood on the corner of Pier Avenue in Milam, sometime 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. I went to the Cadillac Club, and I carried some Bible tracts. I was preaching Jesus. Same one that some of them in the 13th district was preaching. What does this say? This lined up with the fact that what I was telling, I was not lying. I was speaking the truth. And then the Lord told me, son, I need for you to quit screaming and trying to hoop. I need for you to go to teach my people. The devil say, them people ain't going to stand for you teaching them. You need to have some gravy on that steak. I tried and I was hoarse every weekend. And then I say, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Then when I started teaching, people start growing. People start understanding. The children start telling their parents they understood everything I said because I prayed, God, I want you to teach me to teach your people to the extent that the children can understand the message. So we got to understand something here. So what I'm teaching and preaching right now, some in this city have been teaching and preaching for the last 50 years. So it lined up. So I didn't go and ask anybody whether or not God had called me to preach. I already knew it. 
Why? Because God chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. When I held Fred in my arms for the first time and I looked at him, I said to myself, I was a junkie then, I said to myself, there's no way that I can be the right kind of dad to this child that I need to be because of all my stuff I got going on. It was his birth that turned my whole heart around. Because when a man holds his son, he has to ask himself some hard questions. Can my son follow me? Huh? Yeah. But see, the quality of ministry here, the word of ministry, you have to want to love it to put worth to it. But to walk away from it like it doesn't exist, you becomes questionable. So I said all that to say this. God is good. God is good. God has a purpose for your life. God has a calling upon your life. He called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Don't you let your misunderstanding in Sunday school or misunderstanding about a scripture cause you to stop studying. You got to press your way through. You got you to want to be taught. You got to receive good teaching. You got to rightly divide the word. Why? Because it's to your benefit so you can grow up and begin to teach others. So that your living will not be in vain. Too much selfishness. So you don't sing the lead song in the choir. They ain't got nothing to do with it. Just, just show up and sing. Until God decides your gift will make room for you. If I get so frustrated sometimes with people and say, you know what? I'm going to stop teaching. Matter of fact, I'm going to leave the city. I'm, I'm getting out of here. I did think about it way back in the day. I thought about it. Everybody in the city got an opinion of this preacher. Some good, some not so good. I had to outgrow that. And remember that God called me before I ever met all these people. So you got to be faithful to what he has called you to do. Because then and only then will your life have the purpose that it needs. And one last thing is a footnote. The power of God's love, not only will it transform and conform you, it will give you staying power. When everything around you is crumbling. That's why he gave it to us. Put up with people. Pray for people. Love people. Huh? Buy your enemies some lunch. All that. So that you can become children of God. Well, I hope that it's a blessing to you. Anybody receive it? Come on, don't fool me now. Did you receive it? Somebody say, Lord, thank you for the power of your divine love. Tell somebody, change me. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Now the question is, will I do his will and There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus.
The power in the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary is God's resolution to the redemption of every lost sinner forever. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in your house. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus said, come. The Father says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And I say, come. You need to come now. Now the question is, when will Jesus return? I was the chiefest of sinners, Paul says, and so say I. I called upon Jesus over 46 years ago and he answered me, came into my heart and brought with him the gift of eternal life. And he'll do the same for you if you call. Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you now, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. If you said those words, and if you mean those words, they are recorded in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 9 through 13. Welcome to the household of faith. Much, much love to you. Now the questions are Hello, this is Bishop Carwell, and this is the Know Your Bible radio broadcast. The world needs Jesus now more than ever before, and you can help us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I ask for you to pray for what the Lord will have you to do as it relates to financial support toward Know Your Bible. And then send your gifts of love to Know Your Bible, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. That's the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. We also welcome your prayer requests and your praise reports. So until we meet again right here on Know Your Bible... You pray for me and I'll be praying for you and guess what? We'll all be prayed for. Much, much love to you. Now I see.